0: Get into this? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Well, we're continuing in the book of James. We just worked through a book of the Bible here, and we're in James chapter 4, coming to the end of that chapter. Mm-hmm. And we, we've we already told everybody, we're because we only have one more chapter of James. Yeah. And then we're going into? Exodus. Exodus.
1: Yeah.
0: So, heavy. It'll be real good. Freedom, liberation, Moses. Let me just say this, just as a sneak peek. um, The women at the beginning of Exodus, I'm just saying, they launched this whole story. So I've got lots of things to say about that. All right, I can't wait. (laughs) I'll withhold right now, though. All right, here we go. We're in the book of James. We're in chapter four. Different sermon. James chapter four. And uh, we're in verses. We're just doing two verses today, 11 and 12. But Mm -hmm. we're going to keep you for two hours. So here we go. I wanted to the story that I thought about as we were preparing this week was um, do you remember which judge it was in DC we met several judges in Dominic's foster to adoption case
1: yeah if you don't know we uh, adopted a our son, Dominic, that he's been with us since he was three days old, and he came to us through foster care, and um, and then we eventually moved into the adoption process and finalized that this last uh, May. So there was
0: this one judge that all of the caseworkers were nervous about. They're like, oh, we're going before so-and-so judge. And when they said the name, everyone's like, you know, like the (laughs) serious just saying the name kind of struck fear and awe. And they're like, no, there's like no funny business, like no. Because a lot of the judges are – Really, like they just love seeing little yeah, like family in. court, yeah, family that, court. Uh-huh. Like they're just kind of more warm and friendly kind of judges. Um, but apparently, this one struck a <laughs> lot of fear because they were giving us kind of tips and kind of preparing us for the coarseness of that particular judge. Yeah. And so when we walked in, do you remember the feel like? Yeah,
1: it was awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was scared. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, like, you know, I was just quiet. And did we have D that day with us? Yes. And yeah. so I'm like, shh, you know? <laughs> and and uh, so, but when he, I could see Paul was just like, the power this judge has <laughs> is amazing. It really was. Because she would, because she was just correcting, oh, because remember, um, there was like a cup, like she was yeah. filling up a glass thing. A tea. Yeah, our caseworker. Our caseworker was yeah. filling up her thing with water. She had a thermos, kind of like this, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she took like the water pitcher, yeah. and she's like filling it up, and the sounds. It's like clinking <laughs> and, and, like, stuff. and she, what did she say?
1: Oh, she said, hey, can you just put your jug down and just drink from the cup? And she
0: <laughs> she <laughs> was just like, <laughs> Just call it out. Just like <laughs> just, no.
1: Yeah. And everybody just. just you and know. everyone's like yeah,
0: yeah 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 you know like are <laughs> <Just very> you scared <laughs> yeah. of her? And yeah. the jug like, yeah she was just her language and everything yeah, just, yeah. but you could tell that she knew she had power and yeah. that she was feared and she was just exercising it to the nth degree of the smallest things. Yeah. Like yeah 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 which I like, kind of just, I was like I kind of want to be a judge. Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I definitely I walked away on. That. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Maybe we, I'll go to law school. <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs> we literally had that conversation in the car. And he was like, I think I've chosen poorly. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want some power. She definitely had, yeah. And I think for me, it was that realization. It was one of those moments that I have several times in my life where I realized, oh my gosh, I do gravitate towards power. Like yeah. I do want, Like there's something about seeing that in play. Um and then, and and afterwards, like to me, it was just kind of funny me thinking about like, what if I would have just like climbed up there and taken her chair? Yeah. you know, like she would have been really you upset about that. You would have gone to jail. I probably yeah. yeah. <laughs> Contempt yeah. of something, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: For sure, yeah,
0: it's not good. Um yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just begs the question. Like, I don't know. For maybe some of you here aren't even. You're just like, I wouldn't want to be the judge. I don't. I mean, I was like. I want to be the judge, and then it's like, why do I want that control? Right? I'm attracted to that kind of power. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Well, I was. I
1: mean, I was processing this stuff as we were kind of writing down our notes back and forth about uh, the talk, and and I was thinking about that. um, Not even just in the sense of like actually being the judge, but but even in like making our judgments throughout the day and that kind of thing how we uh look at people and and make decisions or you know that sort of thing and and, um
0: being judgy yeah 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 i
1: think it's um
0: judge-esque
1: well i mean when it comes to being that feeling of being able to make the final call whether it be being Mm -hmm. a judge or your own life i think it's um to give us that well you said attracted to power and i think that the more power that we experience that we have it makes us feel less vulnerable
0: yeah, yeah. That's kind of yeah, what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Control.
1: Yeah. And so then I asked the question, you know, do, do the same factors um, play into being judgmental as to actually kind of being attracted to that actual power, right? Because mm-hmm. as we're studying this week's text, this was kind of the theme. This was the idea that was coming up. And so I started processing these ideas, like um, do those same factors. So, you know, do you think those same factors come into play? into the, you know, just the everyday life of being judgmental about uh, somebody's, you life. Oh, yeah, it's totally you know, to make, life make or... me feel
0: better. yeah yeah am going to be judgy about that musician or I'm going to be judgy about that girl's clothes or I'm going to be judgy, right? It's yeah. about making myself feel better because in reality, I'm just terribly insecure. Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, that's probably the reason why we can tend to be so quick to, like, condemn others, right? I was thinking about, okay, where do I see this in myself? And this is uh, always the exercise. Did you need
0: my help with yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: You are helpful in, in, in that way. I'll tell you where I see yeah. judgmentalism in your life, yeah. Yeah, but of course the that's... the notes
0: I prepared. Yeah.
1: You know, that's that's the that's the greatest part of this exercise of, of preparing and, and sharing and teaching and preaching is is taking that moment and turning that light on ourselves and going, okay, where is this changing us? Where does this challenge us? And so I was thinking of places where I, I was kind of like that, you know, and, and or still am. And I, I thought of like... Before we started the Groves, um, especially after we moved here, uh, there were all kinds of folks coming up and telling me all the stories of all the failures of all those who had done what I was just getting ready to try to do. You know, it'd usually be like, hey, you know, you know, they'd say it so cheerfully, too. Hey, you know, Portland's called the church planter's graveyard? You know, they'd be like, cool, you know? it's fun, you know, and they tell me about all these churches that had tried and failed and tried, oh yeah, right in this neighborhood and this church had tried this and this, oh yeah, and they're gone and they failed and, and, um, you know, and I found that my reaction was to be like judgmental to the ones in the stories, right, I I would think about them and I would kind of like go, okay, if I could assess them as less than, then it meant that those failures wouldn't happen to me. Right, that is kind of. It's
0: preventative. It's like yeah, I think it's protective, mechanism. right? Yeah. You're
1: looking at them. You're like, hey, well, So I noticed this?" I was kind of going through categories in my life where there's other areas this um, that this plays out. And I noticed that, like, in some of the adventure sports stuff that I've done over the years, whether it be you know rock climbing or mountaineering or or even like joining the army, even that or or motorcycling, you know, I always have friends that like when they find out I'm involved in that stuff they they just tell, tell me the worst, worst stories, worst stories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just the absolute worst stories about you know people getting hurt or even worse they're just
0: trying to alleviate their responsibility in the matter they're like they i told you yeah. like that's it's just pre- preparation for when
1: there's like yeah i told him yeah they, they very well could be yeah. but you know they yeah they tell you these terrible stories and you're like oh All right, you know, like there's the side that's like, I hope that doesn't happen to me. But immediately, the way my brain works as like a defensive mechanism is to go into kind of this um, this condemning, judgmental place of going, well, I can determine the mistakes that these people must have made, and and then I determine why I won't make those same mistakes, right? Because I mean, ultimately, if I'm digging down deep into my heart, I'm going. Uh, Yeah, I'm actually scared of that. Like some something like that happening to somebody makes me go, well, it it could happen to me. So then I got to go, well, why why will it not? You know, what what are the things that I'm going to do? Oh, well, I'm going to get better training, you know, get better gear, have a better plan, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just there's always going to be something that I'm going to do better. So in short, I do this mental exercise of uh, why I am better (laughs) and how that will keep me safe.
0: Right? Yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great shield of protection around you. As yeah, you, yeah.
1: And I mean, yeah. yeah, but that
0: will keep me from falling off yeah. a cliff. I mean, yeah. I hope
1: this relates to somebody, and this isn't just my confessional. <laughs> um, <laughs> the laughter makes me think I'm being laughed at, not with, yeah. no. but <laughs> I, the tone of it is just. <laughs> but so I'm, you know, I'm processing this, thinking about this, and I, and I wonder if this kind of of judgment right, is related to, like, religious judgmentalism, mm-hmm. right? So in short, are we judgmental or condemning of others because it makes us feel less vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Does it make us feel like we are better? Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes, it yeah. does. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it justifies or, or validates our choices, mm-hmm. Right? Of course, these aren't the only reasons why we tend to judge. You know, you can pr- explore this uh, psyche of this kind of stuff all day long. Um, but I think it is worth exploring, because um, being judgmental is an all-too-common association with faith, mm-hmm. with the church. You know, when when mm-hmm. there have been surveys done, and in recent years, that's yeah. sometimes the number one trait that um, just kind of people in the world. Uh, think of when they think of the church They think of people of faith is that they they're judgmental um
0: well I mean and not even just external to the church I think a lot of us who've grown up in church right we have that same we're carrying that same baggage we're carrying that same yeah kind of like well those people were so judgy right and I'm like judging them for being judgy
1: (laughs) (laughs) it starts to loop (laughs) doesn't it yeah, yeah 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 and so um so I think that the common perception, though, is that the, um, the more uh, religious one becomes, the more condemning they are. Right? I think that's Absolutely. that's the way my friends who aren't believers or who aren't involved with the church, I think that's very much the way that they uh, see. And then when they tell me stories, that's kind of how their stories go about friends that become religious. Yeah. They're, they're telling me the same kind of cautionary tales. So yeah. I know you're into God. Be careful, because this last person I knew <laughs> yeah. it was like this. They were really a terrible yeah. person, yeah. and you know, and there is this like story of of becoming more and more religious and becoming more and more condemning. And I would say that, ironically, in my own experience and in, and even in my own study, um, I would say that the closest or the closer people are to Jesus, and the more at peace with themselves they become, the less judgmental they be that they are, and and. Um, you know, so there's some discrepancy there, but there's obviously enough of that experience out there that that is the common uh, common experience of folks, you know? And I think we would all agree that that, that sense of being judged or, um, that, or that just being judgmental is undeniably hurtful. Um, Sonia and I would both attest to this. You know, we've been tuned into this um, since we came to Portland because we kind of knew that's what we were getting into by coming to Portland Um, we that's part of the reason we came here was we recognized this population of people that were full of angst um, towards the church and full of frustration and 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 many of them even kind of like us they had moved from the Midwest or moved from somewhere down south or somewhere to get away from what they thought was like religious culture and they moved here and they thought Portland would be the, the best place to go and kind of get away from that. And so we just constantly have met and I would say still continue to meet people that, yeah. that testify to this. Yeah. Right? Um, and I was thinking of one example. I, I think we've told this story before, but many of you may not have heard it. Uh, we had a good friend. This was in Minneapolis and our friend Ira um, had a son that was really sick. He had leukemia. And, um, and and his the circle of believers that he ran with uh, were very much like hey you just need to have faith you just need to have faith and and then constantly just like hey I don't think you have enough faith because he's getting sicker and and he eventually passed he passed away and, and at age thirteen and it was you know tragic and heartbreaking and and um, and Ira actually told us uh, that some of the people that had surrounded him during that time they they told him that it was because of his lack of faith, you know, that his son died. And, um, and I was always stunned that he continued to engage with the church with that kind of, uh, um, I, I think, hurtful rhetoric kind of being uh, pointed at him. Um, you know. But I know as we're talking about this stuff, like making decisions, making judgments, um, I know some of you uh, with the Myers-Briggs J at the end of your personality type, I know you're thinking, but Paul, there is right and there is wrong, and people need me to tell them the difference. I am here. Yeah. Yeah. And I say, do they? (laughs) Yeah. But that's the P at the end of my personality type, is always questioning, do you? Do we? I don't know. Do we know? There's still more options. There are things
0: we haven't explored, ideas we haven't got.
1: Yeah, yeah. Seriously, though, I do believe that there is right and wrong and that there may be times when we need each other's guidance, right? Even the book that we're studying closes with this idea. Um, James chapter 5, you know, at the very end, um, he makes this, this statement. He says, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, he should know that the one who turns a sinner back from his wandering path will save the person's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so, you know, I, I was looking at that, and well, what are the things to notice about that, that idea of turning one another back towards God, away from our brokenness? Well, it's guidance from a loving relationship, right? The, the address is brothers and sisters, right? It's guidance for someone who's part of the group and part of the church. That's, who's being, that's who they're saying, hey, this is who you, you call back. You know, it's guidance motivated by the actual concern for the other person, right? When we're describing and joking around about our judgmentalness, all of that is about us, you know, our issue, our baggage. Um, This is clear to me, it is about the other, you know, and if we take it out of religious language or out of like Bible language, and you think of it in the terms of just um, human pain and brokenness, we've all had friends that we see... uh, Pursuing behavior, whether it be substance abuse or, or uh, damaging relationships, uh, in order to cope with pain and suffering in their life, and we know that that thing is damaging for them, right? And so, if we love them, this is the behavior that we would that we would enact. It wouldn't be a judgmental behavior. It would be a behavior going, "Hey, you know, why don't you get back on the better path? This is this is not good for you, right?" And I think most of us would agree. Hey, that is okay, right? So there's a place for us to speak truth into each other's lives, but James also makes it clear that to be condemning of others is to put ourselves in the place of God. Kind of like you were joking about. Chair, yeah, yeah. Like,
0: hey, move over, God. Yeah. I got this.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. what he says here. Yeah. Do you want me to read it? Yeah,
0: go ahead. All right, here we go. James four, verse eleven and verses eleven and twelve says this. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. He who speaks against a fellow believer or judges a fellow believer speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you're its judge. So there's a place you can see, right? Like Mm -hmm. your position, your posture, right? Uh, Verse 12, but there is only one who is lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. On the other hand, who are you to judge your neighbor? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we spent a bunch of time with this uh, passage on Friday morning with our um, translation group and kind of mulled over this idea and just you know, sp- kept spinning and studying and looking and, and um, h- how you go from being the judger of a fellow believer to then that means you're judging, um, you're speaking against the law and, and then that means that you've placed yourself above the law Right? When we, can
0: I be judgy? That's the question, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. that's what we're getting to. So when do I get to be judgy? Yeah. Because I'm confused. Yeah, okay.
1: no. and I think in this sense, we're going to say never. Because by doing that, we violate what James earlier calls the royal law, okay. right? Uh, in, in, um, is, I think it's in verse 1, in, or excuse me, in chapter 1, in verse 8. Uh, he makes this statement, you might remember, but if you fulfill the royal law, as expressed in this scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Right? I think that he is, um, and, and our group kind of came to this conclusion that that's what he's referencing here, that you're speaking against the law by being um, condemning mm. of a you're fellow believer. You're not loving your neighbor. You're not loving if them. If you're
0: condemning them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so... Um, to be clear. Right. And
0: uh, You and, cannot be condemning yeah, yeah. and loving at the same time.
1: Right. Okay. And that's yeah. a legitimate yeah. thing no. to talk about, right?
0: It is. I just, It's so obvious, but I think we try to do it all the time. Or yeah. we are condemning, but it's because I love you. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, like, and that is us climbing up into that seat. Yeah. Right? We, I always call it pre-sorting because I <laughs> think of the... Yeah, I think of the, the Matthew stories of the end, the end of the age, and there's going to be a separating of the good fish and the bad fish, mm-hmm. a separating of the wheat from the tares, you know, yep. the, the sheep from the goats, all these metaphors that uh, Jesus uses to teach about the time of judgment. Right. And so I always... Yeah, and I
0: we're always, like, we're going to pre-sort. Right? Yeah, God, yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah. do the
1: pre-sorting, <laughs> like, oh, these are bad fish over here, okay. Lord. I got it pre-sorted for you, uh-huh. so you know uh-huh. the, you don't have to sort them out. Yeah, the, uh, what this comes down to um, is condemning someone, saying, you're going to hell. This person, I've put myself in the place of God, and I have decided, you're damned. That's that's what this passage seems to be very clearly prohibiting. So as prohibiting. Christians,
0: if we look at other believers' behavior and go, oh, that's wrong, that's going to send you to hell, we're being.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think dead. there's. It, it depends how we... We got to, you know, we're going to, different people are going to land on different parts of the spectrum here, right? Because if, if, you're, if you're more like black and white type person, um, you're just going to be like, yeah, your behavior is wrong. If you continue that behavior, you're going to go to hell, right? Like that, That. but the issue is, are you really taking it on yourself to, that you're sure, you're 100% sure this person's damned, and we behave that way? And that's what he's guiding against. And he's guiding against the the zealots that were like so convinced that the um, aristocracy that was in charge was um, being so oppressive that they were damned. And they were taking it on themselves to pass the ultimate uh, judgment in this life of taking their lives. So that's the context, right, Um, is is going that far saying they're wrong. They're so wrong they deserve uh, to die, you know. And so that is, um, yeah, it's a powerful, powerful statement and gives us a lot of guidance. And and I think uh, we've, I finally was like, yeah, I think we're onto something here. When I looked at um, the message, Eugene Peterson's translation of this, and he actually gives a helping word to point us back to the royal rule uh, idea, because in this passage, that word for uh, royal or, or kingly isn't actually in the passage but it is in the um, chapter 1 passage but when Je- uh, Eugene Peterson translates this he says don't badmouth each other friends it's god's word his message his royal rule mm-hmm. so that word royal isn't actually in this mm-hmm. he's 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 determined as an interpretive key that you need to pay attention and go hey we're talking about the royal violating rule yeah you're violating yeah you're the, violating the, the
0: second commandment which is to the second your greatest yeah. yeah
1: yeah and um And that takes uh, a a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? Mm -hmm. So there is this balance and this tension between um, being a good friend, being a good brother or sister in Christ, and guiding. I mean, this whole book is guiding. In behavior and guiding and how we should walk but not going so far as you're saying like I'm gonna take that place of the judge
0: Mm -hmm. which impacts our behavior because if we think someone is I mean just to critique my own upbringing and so this sense of like well if if I if I'm in a friendship with someone who is not a believer but then they're not they're just not making progress the way I want them to see progress right? It was sort of like, oh, well, we can't be friends anymore, Mm. right? And so it was me passing judgment. I mean, I'm just saying this is how it impacts our behaviors of how we're going to treat and invest in one another and truly love one another. Um, Anyway, that's. Yeah, I think this would bring a corrective to that. Yeah,
1: that kind of behavior for sure. So then we end up, you know, going, well, then how do we do that? Yeah. How do we how do we live in the the correct way with this stuff?
0: Yeah. So I thought if we want to see how we ought to live this out, we should take a look at what Jesus did. Yeah? Yeah. So, yeah. Yay, Nancy. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Let's take a look at Jesus. So I'm going to just, the story, familiar story from John chapter 8, if you want to look there. John chapter 8 says this. Jesus went across to Mount Olives, but he was soon back in the temple again. Swarms of people came to him. He sat down and he taught them. The religion scholars and Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in an act of adultery. They stood her in plain sight of everyone and said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses, in the law, gives orders to stone such a person. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. So it was against Roman law for them to have a death penalty, right? Right. So they were trying to trap Jesus between, are you going to follow the national law or are you going to follow God's law, right? Right. And trying to trap Jesus. Jesus went down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept at him, badgering him, and he straightened up and he said, How about the sinless one among you go first? Throw the first stone. Bending down, he wrote some more in the dirt. So, just to give some context too, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament law that they're kind of bringing Jesus to is that the if you if you accuse someone of so they would be the first people to throw a stone. So Jesus is like, okay, you're accusing her. You're the first. You're the witnesses. Go ahead. Why don't you throw that that first? You know, go ahead and 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 follow the law. Throw that first stone. Um, but also, if discovered as a false witness, the accuser gets the punishment instead. So there's a catch here, right? Like if they're, you know, anyway. And yeah, of course,
1: they don't seem real concerned with following the law accurately, anyway, because no. there's no uh, guy here. Yeah,
0: no. You know. You yeah. know,
1: they if they caught her in the act of an adultery, she wasn't adulterating by, by herself, herself. Yeah, right?
0: Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, and in front of everybody. Yeah, I'm just thinking yeah. like, this woman and. And that they're using a vul- they're using a woman to get at Jesus. Yeah. just that part two was not lost. John chapter eight verse nine. Hearing that, hearing uh, so he says, you know, um, the sinless one among you go first, throw the stone. Hearing this, they walked away one after another, beginning with the oldest. You've commented on this before, mm-hmm. that the oldest being the wisest, also probably.
1: Maybe the most self-aware. Maybe the most, yeah.
0: So, yeah. And a longer time to not be sinless. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, oh, where oh man, I've got the most. Yeah, anyway. Um, and the woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? Does no one judge you? No one, master. Neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way. From now on, don't sin. From this, just very brief synopsis, like, if, if we want to be like Jesus, it's truth and it's mercy, right? Mm-hmm. It's truth and it's, like, a bu- like extreme mercy. There's, like, no hint of, like, condemnation. Yeah. Not yeah. even a sliver. Not even a, even a you know, like, it's, like, I, like, it's, anyway, merciful, but it's the truth. He also didn't ignore her situation and her, act, her actions. And then also, but here's the, the other part is be like the accusers. Because reality is that we're going to be more like the accusers than, like, right. Jesus right? And be like the accusers, walk away. Like when we're in that place where we're, you know, um, be like, just walk, walk away. Be the first to walk Man, away. Man, what a
1: tool just even in conflict resolution, right? Like you're in the middle of an argument with somebody and you know that, that thing we do where we're like going back and forth with somebody and you're thinking of the thing they did wrong and they're saying the thing you did wrong and you just are back. Before long, you're not talking about the original uh, thing that you actually started arguing about. And what if we brought this as like, this is like a real tool. If we employed the humility Mm -hmm. of the accusers and went, you know what, it's not my job. If you
0: loved your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. That's where this comes in. And we
1: dropped our rocks. And And walked
0: away. Yeah. Yeah. Choosing, and I mean, I would rather, I always want to be preemptive. I would rather choose humility and humbleness at the beginning than be humbled. humbled. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I pray and for
1: that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah. one of my favorite prayers has always been, "Lord, let me be like the three Hebrew children in the you know story of the fiery furnace. Let us, when we go through the fire, let us not feel it, and let us just have our uh, bondage burnt off, and and let us find you in the midst of it. Yeah. You know. And so I'm always, yeah, less burning is always <laughs> always my prayer. Less hungry. Yeah. Oh, my
0: And for me, I think that just thinking about the humility and the humbleness that we need in our position and our posture towards others, and realizing in this story, for me, just realizing I am more likely, I am, I am more like the accusers than I am like Jesus. I'm much closer to all of that religious ick than I am to Jesus. Even Mm. though I'd like to think that I'm more like Jesus in this picture, I know that I'm one of the accusers. You know, and um, and that that, I don't know, the good, I don't know, the relief to me in some way was the Romans 3.23. It was like all of the Sunday school <laughs> passages started coming back to my head. Mm. And I even remembered where it was, which is a, I, in my adult life, I have not memorized scripture the way that I did when I was a kid. but was like, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. But it, that was just like, we've all, like, this is this is the lot. This is the bunch that we're in. We're the, we are in the judgy bunch, you know? <laughs> and um, and we can learn um, and, and choose to. Be humble and and realize the boat that we're in all together, yeah. yeah. um, and not be throwing people overboard. But like, hey, we're in this. We're on the same ship. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, and uh, uh, I think you. A lot of times when we're doing our talks, I like to to start broad and then become very specific. And with this talk, I just felt like it was a very specific story, and then it was broadening out to that second greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we would truly learn to embody that, you know, and, um, I think we, we, at times we all, I, and I think I was pointing out, I think that it truly is because of our insecurities. I think mm-hmm. it's because of our, which is why if the closer we are to Jesus, the more we confront our own selves, I think the more that we can become the comp, you know, like have the confidence and, um, the assuredness that we need to not behave in these ways, but, um, there is, a, we do as humans crave power, and our pride, our insecurities, and our fears will get in the way of us. But what we need and what we're commanded to do is to embody love. Mm. And if we can approach, um, I mean, very simply, in the like in the mornings when I get up, I'm like, love God, love my neighbor as myself. And because, and I always have to add the as myself part because <laughs> I will put a limit on my love for my neighbor. <laughs> like, I will love you this far, but yeah. you know, like, but thinking about what would. It's empathy, right? That's what we're asking. That's what we're asked to practice. If you were the other, yeah. what would you need? What would you want? What would you? What would what behavior? If you're, you know, so this is go. We were invited this morning in worship, as in worship through music, to start with the personal and to go out to the global. Yeah. You know, so for me, I'm like, okay, this is if if you're an immigrant, you've just taken your children from a South American country where you are, de- where you may not survive, wow. and you've just traveled on foot and risked all that to like, okay, what, what do you need? Yeah. What do you want? Like that, those are, that's how love, thy neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself starts to really mess with you yeah. and, um, and starts to impact our behavior. You know, if you're from that global to, to your literal neighbor, so like when our neighbor broke her, she broke her back, right? And fa- she found the stairs and she broke her back. Okay, what does, if I were her, what do I need? Yeah. What what would, you know, anyway, those are the things that, that love your neighbor yourself. Anyway, that's the stuff that really starts messing with my behavior yeah. and how I live my life.
1: Well, what's so powerful is these ideas are so big. They're not something that, I, I always try to reiterate this because I want us to, as a group of people, get this idea that these are lifetimes of struggles to try to embody this. Because I, I, I still think that we often go, like either, either we're trite and we go, yeah, yeah, I do that. And we don't think deeply about how it works its way into our life. Or we look at it and we go, that's such a big idea. I don't know that I can do that. <laughs> and or we go, oh, I'm failing at it. And, it, you know, my encouragement is to just always like, like you were saying, kind of this like meditative, reflective thing. It's like we're looking on it every day going, how, how am I going to do that a little more today? How am I going to embody this? This idea of loving God with everything that's in me and and loving neighbor. Yeah,
0: and I think too, I would just say this: the capacity for me personally, the capacity for me to love is greater when I am when I am in right relationship with God. Yeah. Right. And so when I am, when that part of my life is flourishing, I have like literally I have more space in my life. (laughs) I have more space in my heart. I don't feel so crowded and overwhelmed by that yeah. so um, I think that if anyway it's just the encouragement to to keep attending to that relationship with God and listening to Jesus and inviting the holy spirit, inviting God to do the work in you that only he can do anyway mm, right yeah. I can't make myself love you know like it's only it, it really is the spirit it is his spirit it's right. him and me that gives me the capacity to be generous yeah. to be thoughtful of other, um, and not. And I'm not going to do it perfectly for sure. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so we can't be judgy. Just kind of wrapping up things we've learned <laughs> it
1: Sounded like a lament. <laughs> so, so
0: there goes my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I used to literally do that: go to the Mall of America and sit and people watch and be judgy.
1: Well, not like saying they were going to hell. That's that's
0: true. We were just. It's still not
1: positive. I mean, I'm not letting us off the hook.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's just
1: bad behavior, you know, and not loving. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to pray for y'all, and then we're going to go. We'll do our. um, So here's how we do it: the groves. We the worship team will come back and. I will do a, one more song. And there's a basket in the back that's for our response time for giving. There's communion that's in the back. If you are a believer and you follow Jesus, you're welcome to participate in communion. You can get more food, coffee, yeah. get into a conversation. So this is just our response time. And then we'll close out reading a passage of scripture together. So, um, yeah.
1: But yeah, if you've been hurt by judgmental stuff like this, mm-hmm. this is a time to, um, this is time to let it go. So like stand in the presence of the spirit of God, stand in the presence of Christ and say, Lord, I want to let this go. I want to let this. And maybe it's the beginning, you know, maybe it doesn't all go away today. But you start letting some of that go, some of that pain and that, oh. that uh, hurt from that kind of thing. And if you know that you've been the judgmental one, as like maybe your pastor has at times, um, you, um, yeah. you can, yeah, not, yeah, not <laughs> <Yeah>. Sonia, <laughs> you know, this is a time to let that, that behavior be challenged. And, 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 um, and, and, and that template of who Christ is be held up against the actuality of who we are and, and let those, those rough edges be ground down. And so those would be that would be my challenge to you as we kind of go to this response time is to maybe reflect on a couple of those ideas. Awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. Let me pray for for us as we go into our response time. God, I thank you again for your word, for your faithfulness in our lives. Um, I thank you that your love is constantly in pursuit of us. Uh, your love is just—it's elastic. It stretches and it moves with us. I'm just so thankful for that today. I thank you, God, that that you are merciful. I thank you that we see through Jesus how merciful you are to us. Even in our worst moments, even when we're caught red handed, even when we're caught in the act, God, your mercy is just so good. And um, so uh, we wanna respond today to your love. We wanna respond to your invitation of kindness and goodness, not fear, not anger, not condemnation. And so I just pray this morning that you would silence all of those thoughts, all of that weight, all of the guilt and shame, that it would be removed and it would be um, eliminated by your perfect and amazing love. Um, We just want to lean into that, we wanna live in that and breathe in it and move in it and we just wanna take steps to be um, found by and in your love. So we just thank you this morning for all the work that you're doing in us and um, we just give you these next few moments to um, seal those things and have those, that, that, these truths deeply rooted in our lives, God. Um, let your word bear fruit in us.